0: And I Welcome back! I promised you last week three episodes, and then I caught the flu. <laughs> uh, I'm still not completely back to normal. Almost there, though, so today we're going to do the episode I wanted to do last week, and actually have been wanting to do for a while. I want to tell you what I believe is the definition of Enlightenment moksha, nirvana, can use many words for it. It all comes down to the same thing, and I think I know what it is. I've hinted about it on this channel and live videos before, and then recently I had a revelation, and I was like, oh my gosh, this is what I've been talking about. Then, after I had this revelation, I discovered that there is a guru who actually endorses this view. Didn't know this at the time. I just came upon the revelation on my own from all the reading I've done that you could see on this channel and other studies. It just hit me like a chapter to a book I'm writing or something. I don't know where it came from. And then I started reading something and went, oh wow, it's pretty much kind of the same as this guru, but I'm not going to tell you who the guru is until afterwards. You may figure it out as we get there, though, because if I told you who this guru is, you'd be like, oh, and then lots of ideas about this guru would come up and some biases and some good things and whatever, so I don't want to go there just mean whatever biases you have against me is where I want to be in the short term and then at the end I'll reveal the guru to you who I seem to be in agreement with and not that that makes him special I think this is guru is one of the great gurus but uh it just made me curious who this guru is and about him and so I've been reading about him but we'll, we'll get there before I give you the definition of enlightenment I want to respond to a comment that was put on a video once. I was criticized with two very harsh word uh very harsh wordy finger pointing criticisms. I was informed that this channel is confusing people. Really? You're confused by what I say? Here I am the most verbose person out there. <laughs> I you know, go on and on and on. How can you be confused? Oh, because I'm giving wrong information? Really? All I do on this channel is tell you to ask questions and study the scriptures. That's basically the gist of this channel. There's no other message I have for you. Study the scriptures and ask questions and love God. Chana yoga, bhakti yoga, that's it. How is that confusing people? Uh, Because I'm not giving a message that some corrupted guru who needs lots of money is giving, or I'm not promising mystical wisdom here for only $1,000 a month? Because all that is crap. You have all the mystical wisdom in the world at your fingertips in the scriptures. You just need to read them, and I'm doing that for you on this channel. As for not explaining things in detail, like, here's an Upanishad, and now let's do a detailed word-by-word thing, most people aren't reading the Upanishad. So who cares about the description? Read it, then we'll describe it. It'd be like if you and I sat and talked about a movie that neither of us had ever seen, but we were going, well, this scene, and this scene, and this scene, having never seen it, 99% of people would think we were doing a satire or a parody sketch. They would not consider us experts on a movie we'd never seen. We have to watch the movie to then talk about it. You can try to do it the other way until you end up talking to someone who's actually seen the movie, and then you just look like a fool. I knew someone who used to consider himself a Stephen King expert. He knew about all the books, hadn't read a single one, but he'd watched all the movies and he tried to argue with my girlfriend about Stephen King and whatever. She's read the books. She's read a lot of the books. She loves him. He's one of her favorite writers. Oh, that didn't go over well. I I think she just about told him to just take his test, stick it up his ass, and never show himself in public again, because it was just humiliating. And other people were like, yeah, if you just watch the movies, you don't know crap. But in religion, you don't have to read the scriptures. And people like me, who have read them, are confusing other people? No. That's not true. I'm only confusing you because I'm telling you to study, to read, to ask questions, to wake up. That's all my messages here. Wake up. And you're upset at me for confusing you because you're not awake. So the other criticism that has been given to me is actually by the same person I Have committed the cardinal sin of cardinal sins the greatest sin you can commit I have criticized gurus on this show And you're not allowed to do that. These are spiritual men. You can't touch them To which I refer any viewer to many episodes of this show where I have cited Shri Dharma Acharya of the International Sanatana Dharma Society, who has said in one video that 96% of gurus out there are false. In another video, he actually has said 98%. I quote him all the time, because I believe that. 96 to 98, maybe 99, are fake. All they have to do is read the scriptures to see they're fake. They're nothing but people with big egos. Now, maybe you don't like Sri Acharya, so I'm going to actually quote um, Adidas Raj. Now, he is a New Age teacher. He is not a Hindu teacher. He is not teaching a Hindu tradition, but he has a very different point of view from Sri Acharya. So just to show his point of view, he has said that there are two types of gurus in the world. There's a minority and they go by a big G big G you are you and then there is everyone else which is small g g you are you so there's the big G gurus and the small g gurus and what's the difference the big G gurus are the real thing they have seen god face to face that's what makes you a guru the little G gurus are students still but they don't want to study, they don't want to learn, they don't want to get out of their comfort zones, and want to be famous, and rich, and arrogant. So they become gurus. They tell you that they're a guru. The big G gurus usually don't. They don't tell you that they're gurus. They don't need to. You know they are. They don't have to sell you anything. According to Adida, most gurus are small Chi gurus. So here we have, then, most teachers are not real gurus. And it's easy to check. You just turn to the scriptures. Scriptures tell us what a guru is. So if the guru doesn't match scriptures, they're not scriptural. Thus, they're just like a self-help teacher. And you can criticize self-help teachers. There's nothing in the scriptures that say, don't do that. So when I criticize a guru, I'm committing that cardinal sin. Not, not in my mind, I'm not. Because most of them aren't real. And the ones that are real, I don't criticize. Those who are committing the cardinal sin are the gurus who promote themselves as anything other than a title on a piece of paper, and think that title makes them special. Or they think that, no, you don't have to actually have seen God or know the scriptures do anything, uh, you can be a great guru anyways. Those are the ones committing the sin, and the other people committing the sin are the ones following these gurus. Like the person criticizing me. Now why do I bring this up? Because today's talk was inspired watching one of these small-g gurus. I saw a video a few months online. I will not tell who, because even though this is a small G guru, someone who is put into a position and informed you now need to be a guru because it's your job, not your spiritual calling, but your job. And if it wasn't you, it'd be someone else for this group. We just put someone in the job like a Catholic priest you know they just assign the priest wherever even if the priest is like but I want to be a painter no sorry you're gonna be a parish priest yes but I want to be a whatever I don't want to do this oh sorry it's a shot this is a small G guru but I think the guy's actually really cool and I think what he has done uh, I, I really respect I think it's just great it's long overdue thank God they got this guy he really cares about his tribe of followers. He's brought people into the group, a group which I know firsthand was dying, and I would have given anything that had a teacher like this. But he's still a small G-Guru. And I was watching this talk about him, and not uh, by him, and he was discussing to, I don't know, 30 people or so, what enlightenment was. And I sat there and I went, okay, and? And? and get to the point, he's even slower than me. And the talk was, I am God, and you are God, and we are God. Hallelujah, isn't that great? Yay, everyone went. That was his talk, you're God, you're God, you're God. Isn't that amazing, you have achieved realization right now by listening to my talk. You are God and I'm God and we are God. Oh my God, this is amazing. That was his talk everyone was cheering. Oh, we've all achieved realization right now. And I kept thinking to myself, listening to this guy on YouTube, and what does that mean? What does that mean? You are God and I am God. Well, I've had this discussion with people, and I've asked this question, and you know the answer I got? Oh, well... This teacher is a part of the Neo-Vedanta tradition, where they emphasize the means to liberation and uh, meditation, sorry, meditation and Nivhokopi Samadhi, blah, 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 blah. On the other hand, there is the Advaita Vedanta position, which recognizes the Self, Atma, and Brahman through some line of proper blah, 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 blah. And I went, okay. Thank you for killing the conversation. Because you just pulled a book off the shelf. It's called A Dictionary. You read to me a dictionary definition. I have the book. I could have done that myself. I asked a question What does it mean? I didn't need a dictionary definition. I don't care about dictionary dex- definitions. I can't even say the word. I know someone who would comment on my videos here all the time with dictionary definitions, and eventually I just was like, hmm, I'm done. There's no conversation here. This is just regurgitating definitions. What does it mean? I'm not asking the meaning of the word. I'm asking what it means right here, right now, with this water in my hand on a Saturday afternoon. What does it mean? I think that is the most important thing in spirituality. What is this stuff that we study and we read, and what does it mean to us on a daily basis? That's why I don't get into theology here, and I don't discuss heavy theology, because I honestly don't see any reason for it. For most people, having the definition of Nirva Kaposamadi or understanding the difference between um, HWL, Pungja, and Madhukar is just blah blah. It's just trivial pursuit. We could even take the next step and discuss enlightenment of a spiritual level in relationship to Cod, Descartes, and Locke. But I would still ask the question, what does it mean? When you're walking down the street and you run into a friend you haven't seen for 20 years and you happen to go, Oh, I'm enlightened. Does your friend say, Oh, well, you know what Locke said about that. No, your friend doesn't say that. Your friend doesn't say you're enlightened! Oh my goodness, well, are you aware of the definition of the word um, Neo-Vedanta in context of the word Advaita-Vedanta and the historical trends of the... Your friend doesn't say that. Your friend's probably looking at you and going, okay, and? What does this mean that you're enlightened? That's... That's it. What does it mean? So when someone says, I am God, you are God, we are God, everybody's God, the table, the chair, my base, whatever you can see around me is all God, what does that mean? That's the answer I'm about to give you. And the answer to that is the definition of enlightenment, I believe. So, here it is the definition of enlightenment. I'm going to say it's also more complicated than this. There are variations on or details here, for example. Do you become enlightened in this life or do you become enlightened after this life? So that is a legitimate debate that happens. Some people think you're enlightened right here, right now. Sound of one hand clap. Oh, I know what the sound is. I've achieved enlightenment. Just like that. Others are like, no, whatever we're doing here actually is just preparatory work. When you die, then you will achieve enlightenment. I don't have an answer on that. Whether we can become enlightened here, or whether it's just something we're preparing for the future, like paying for our burial service before we die. But I will say, there is something here that we can do to prepare ourselves. And that might be as close as we can get to enlightenment while we're in this body. And so, that's what I'm talking about now, is what we can do now. I I think true enlightenment actually really does come after we get rid of this body. Because, if we're going to be truly enlightened, there's a union with God that happens, and it's physically impossible to contain God in the body. It's physically impossible to be God while in this body. Wait, let me make my fingers shoot lasers. It's physically impossible, but God could probably do it. But God is beyond the laws of physics of this world. So, there's a limit to how enlightened we can can become. In this body. Enlightenment may also open the door to vast knowledge, but our brains would probably explode. I just don't believe we could have the knowledge of God and understand everything and not go bonkers, but once we leave this body we can have that. So I do believe that we can experience some enlightenment here, and then we finish it afterwards. It's not one or the other. So, I guess when I said earlier I didn't really know, I guess I really do know. So, there is that. Uh, I also believe there are things we can do to prepare the way for reaching this state. Uh, it's uh, It's not always reading a book. might be. Might be doing yoga, but it might not be. There's things that we can do. Actually, the mirror faces. I believe there's things we can do to take us away from enlightenment. Materialism takes us away from enlightenment. Um, not. Uh, let's see. Uh, lack of restraint. You're sex maniacs. That takes us away from enlightenment. So, we can push ourselves there. It's no different than learning how to play an instrument. You could pick up an instrument. You can say, oh, I'm a great player. What do I do? I don't know. Blum, 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 blum. There, I just played guitar. Well, technically, yes, you pounded the thing and you made a noise. But are you Steve Vai? No. You no. show Satriani? No. You made a noise, so technically you played the guitar, but it's going to take books and learning and education and going through, oh wait, there's this musician did this and let me try this and oh, really the difference between an unwound third and a wound third on the guitar you have to do things to become great guitar players. People say, oh well, you know, there's guitar players. They're so talented out the door. Yeah! But if you really look at them, the first time they picked up the guitar, they weren't, you know, uh, I don't know, they weren't the greatest guitar player. They had to become, they may have had an inkling that allowed them to become musical that someone else hasn't developed yet. But the first time they sat down with a guitar, they weren't amazing. I have a friend who's always bragging about her 11-year-old who can play Stairway to Heaven. Yeah, and so can 99% of guitarists, because we all learn that at some point. Can't play the whole song, can't make it sound right, but you, you can pick up some stuff, and you can actually memorize amongst your chords. Doesn't mean you know anything about the song, or how to play, or modes, or when, anything. And she's like, oh, he's so great. I'm like, eh, I'll give him a few years, then come and talk to me. <laughs> so there are things we can do to achieve enlightenment. Bhakti, jhana yoga, um, just Karma yoga, all these things are getting us there. So now I'm going to give you the definition of enlightenment. I need to take a drink first. I'm still fine, but my throat's getting... I haven't talked this much all week. Hang on. So here is my definition of enlightenment based on my extensive scriptural reading. It is two things. It is self-awareness on a whole other level. So that's actually two things. It is self-awareness and it is self-awareness on a different level. I believe enlightenment is knowing yourself. Knowing who you are, and being in touch with that. I do not actually believe it is a list of ten traits, um, including always happy, never worrying, being helpful to friends. No, those things you see, and you see tons of lists like this, are just actions. What does it take to get to these actions? What takes your personality? And I truly believe most people, when they ask, when you ask them, what type of person are you? Oh, I like to help friends and I like to do this and I don't eat gluten. Yes, but who are you? Who are you deep down? Remember the soul travels from body to body to body. The soul deep down is eternal. The body is yeah, it's nice, could be worse, could be better. It's just temporary. It's not who I am. So if I say, well, I uh, don't eat gluten. Well, you know, 3,000 years ago, they ate gluten. Your soul would have eaten gluten. No one knew it was bad for you. You were not patient zero in the history of gluten. So that's really not you. Or... Maybe you, um, like music, but have you always liked music? Maybe you have. That might be then a reflection of an artistic soul. I believe enlightenment is knowing the soul beyond any of the identifiers. Hey, I wear glasses, my eyes suck. Now I don't. Am I a completely different person? Well, if I was in a play, and you saw me on stage without my glasses, maybe I had a beard, you'd be like, wow, that person's really transformed into somebody with the beard. And and I did this in a play once. I once uh, played uh, Aaron. Yeah, Aaron and Moses. Hmm, why was I cast in that? Hmm. And um, I uh, had a beard, a fake beard, and I didn't wear my glasses. And it was like, oh, the transformation was so good. It's just physical things, though. Get beyond the physical. Who are you really? That, to me, is... That's it. That's the first step in enlightenment. Is knowing yourself. Because when you know yourself, you know what God knows. God sees all this stuff that you do and the clothes you like and but they're just transient. God knows that I've changed fashions over the years. <laughs> that I don't dress like I used to. Thank God. <laughs> I'm glad I don't dress like that anymore. God knows that in the 90s I dressed like a nineties kid. Nowadays I don't. <laughs> but that doesn't mean, you know, it's just stuff. So knowing yourself and all these things we do, bhakti yoga, physical yoga, jhana yoga, is all about pushing away things to know yourself, who you are, beyond the new Subaru you just bought. Who you are beyond your job title. So many people, when you ask them, Who are you? Oh, I'm a lawyer. Oh, so you've been a lawyer in every life that you've ever existed, and you'll be a lawyer until the end of your day, and when you were born out of the womb, you were a lawyer? No. Well, what are you now, then? Or what will you be when you retire? Will you still be a lawyer? Well, no, I can't practice law. So then that's not who you are. That was just a job you did. Who are you? When you realize that, you will realize something most people, I don't believe, know. I have a friend who's always saying how he has achieved enlightenment. And he is above his horrible mother who burnt down the house and his horrible sister who hates him and thinks he's a loser. And he's above all this family. He goes, I don't even discuss family anymore. I have so moved beyond that junk. I'm I'm beyond the junk. I don't deal with it. He just published his third book ripping on his family. He literally did a 150-page book listing everyone in family and how they were horrible, and then did it two more times and declared, well, this is how I'm enlightened. When you email this guy, it doesn't take but two or three emails before he's like, my family screwed me over. Well, wow, you talk about something a lot for someone who's supposedly enlightened and beyond that, because you see, he's really not. He's not in touch with himself, that he's a very angry, messed up guy. Very messed up guy. He doesn't doesn't know himself. He fools himself with all these things, but he doesn't know himself. That's your enlightenment. Now there's a second part to this, and that is... We have this self-awareness, and we have a view of the world that is different. When I know myself, and the stuff doesn't really matter. When my job doesn't matter, because my job isn't me. When the new car I drive doesn't matter, because it's not me. When I know myself, how do I rest in the world? How do I walk in the world? And how do I see the world? So this guru I mentioned at the very beginning of this was like, well, we are God, and I'm God, and we're all God, and you get a car, and you get a car, and you get a car. <laughs> but what does that mean that we're all God? What do you see? How does the world look different to you? Do these people come out of that and go, oh, yes, this water is God. And then if you spill it on the ground, they get pissed off at you. Yeah, but I just spilled God on the ground, and God is now blessing the carpet. Shouldn't this be a good thing? Oh, yeah, but it's an expensive rug. <laughs> Mmm See, it, there's nothing really when you talk this way There's nothing that, your view hasn't changed None of these people in that room had a view of life radically changed Can someone said, you're God Oh yes, I see it now You can't see through the eyes of God No more than you have magical powers like God That's what these people, I just, I'm waiting for them to show their magical powers Well, I'm God and you're God Wait, let me make clouds appear You you don't have that, but you can know yourself, and that can radically change how you see the world, and that can be a huge change when you when you see things differently, you're not in the uh, world of agendas, and oh, I have to look so good for this person because, you know, I want him to invite me to this party, and no. That's not enlightened. That's totally trapped in the opposite of enlightenment. This is the definition of enlightenment to me. Being completely self-aware, and then that self-awareness changes how you see the world. It changes what you value. I value people. Stuff is important, too, but, but people are really important. Also, I value creativity. I must express myself through music and writing. I I don't even care if people see or read what I do or hear. I just have to do it. There's something inside of me that must be expressed. I will literally go insane if I can't. That, to me, is is verging on this. It's just something that... You know, that desire to express myself radically changes how I interact with the world. I would rather sit home and do something than go out and party with someone, because, well, yes, I like the interaction of the person, if I party too much, I don't express myself artistically, and then it just, ah, it's actually really bad. So this view of myself as being an artistic person radically changes how I interact with the world. So this is an example of what I'm talking about. I must create, therefore I make choices. I'm not going to do this, I'm not going to do this, so instead I can do this, which is really important to me. That is what happens, I think, when you are enlightened. It's not that you're always happy, it's not that life is easy, it's not that blah 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 blah... No, no, no. It's not that you spend time volunteering, necessary, you might work at a factory all day and be exhausted. But the choices you make are reflected of your self-awareness of who you are, and that is enlightenment. I, I believe this is the definition of enlightenment. And we can break this down into other things, um, like there's, there's types of uh, uh, liberation under the idea of moksha, Sayuja, Saloka, Sarupa, etc., etc. We can talk about um, the delusional state of reality that is around us and things. But I think it all comes down to knowing ourselves. So when this teacher was was going, Oh, you're gone and I'm gone. He was just saying things and everyone was agreeing because it sounded so good. But did anyone walk away from that with a new sense of self-awareness? I doubt it. And did that self-awareness last beyond five minutes if they had something? You know, maybe in the building you're with everyone and, oh, this is so exciting, it was such a great talk, but a half hour after you get home, do you still have it? If you don't, it's not enlightenment. Enlightenment doesn't vanish. Enlightenment is there. This drive in me to create music doesn't Vanish Sometimes I do sometimes. I don't sometimes. I like to read books sometimes. I don't like no. I I always do (laughs) That is to me the definition of enlightenment I'm gonna say one more thing on this, but I need to take a drink. Excuse me. That would help. (laughs) So there is a teacher I have mentioned who shares this point of view, and you may know exactly who I'm talking about. And, um... You may have been sitting there going, well, he summarized it so much different in a more concise way, and yeah, whatever. I put it in my own words. I don't like to regurgitate what people say, and they just go, okay, this is it. No, I. Put it in my own words. I encourage that for everyone. If you say, oh, well, this person summarized your entire idea this way, put it in your own words. I don't really care what that person said. You tell me what you think in your words. You're not that person. That's just the same as giving dictionary definitions. Anyways, the person is Ramana Maharshi. This is the book I'm reading right now. For those with little dust, pointers on the teachings of Ramana Maharshi by the great Arthur Osborne. This man, I believe, gave us the definition of enlightenment when he put out the question to the world, who are you? Or ask yourself, who am I? Who am I? Who am I? That's all I'm saying. Who are you? And he's talking in this book about how Ramana Maharshi didn't care about the theology and theosophy, not theosophy, theology and whatever dictionary definitions. He wanted to talk about that which mattered. didn't want dictionary definitions. He wanted to talk about the physical stuff. You go to the post office, you're dealing with something. Theology definitions are just clutter. And that's exactly my point of view. This is exactly where I'm coming from, is where he is. Who are you? That is the key to enlightenment. If you can answer that question, I believe you are enlightened. And that implies that enlightenment is not one dictionary definition. There is variety in enlightenment, because there's variety in all of our souls. So enlightenment for you, and for you, and for you might be a little different. But at the end of the day, I think it's self-awareness. Ramana Maharshi, who am I? He asked. He told you to ask yourself. Who am I? I believe he is it. I believe this is it. Of all the definitions of all the great teachers, I believe that Ramana Maharshi has given us the ultimate truth of the definition of enlightenment. Who am I? Who am I? And with that, I am going to close this show. <laughs> I'm going to say thank you for suffering with me. If it's been a painful experience, thank you for hanging out with me. Um, thank you for listening to... what are we doing? Oh, over a half hour now. And... am sure some of you will disagree. Sure. Put it down below. But don't give me a dictionary definition. Because that is somebody else's words. Use your own words and give me something that is right down here. Okay? It's like this sheet music right behind me. We can describe this in two ways. Ah, well, you see, that is the perfect fifth. And here we have the A chord and the A major scale. Now, please inform me how this music sounds. I've just informed you that's the A chord. And here we have the use of the A major scale with a passing tone going over here to the perfect fifth. Oh, and there's a guitar solo. Please inform me. What this music sounds like. You're just going to be like, I have no clue. We could go, sounds like this. boom, Now you got to have an idea. And you could be like, it goes like, Do, 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 do. Or we could say, oh, God, this is a great rhythm and blues piece that predates um, Jerry Lee Lewis, who covered it, and it's got this great groove. You know, it's sort of got like an Eddie Cochran feel. That's what I want. When you got that, then you're describing the music, and that, to me, is self-awareness. You're describing the music. How does it make me feel? If you said, oh, well, there's the perfect fifth, and there's the uh, key, uh, uh, the A... Uh, chord and the C chord and the D and and here's a minor chord that's theology, it means nothing to me no one no one can do anything with this music discussing that, it's just blah blah blah, I'm impressing you by knowing what the perfect fifth is who cares tell me how it makes you feel and when you know you've heard it that's enlightenment That's what I want from you if you wish to continue this discussion. I want to know how it makes you feel. And if you're in a discussion about enlightenment and someone's going on, well, you know, blah, 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 the perfect fit. And then there is this. And the major mode, or also we could talk about the major, minor, just be like, yeah, but how does it make you feel? How does it make you feel? Who cares what C.S. Lewis said? Who cares what uh, Ramakrishna said? How does it make you feel? When you walk out of the house, what happens? Who are you? Who are you? That's what matters. Find out. That's what I want to hear about. That's enlightenment. Knowing who you are. So with that, I'm going to end my show today. I'm going to thank you so much for hanging out with me for a little while. And uh, I wish you all the best in your spiritual journey.